Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sitting Together. My name is Kelsey Fox. And I'm Marcy Parker. We're convinced that sharing stories is a powerful thing, and that's what you'll hear on Sitting Together. Stories of ups and downs and mostly of God's faithfulness. We hope to encourage you, the women of Alliance, through other women of Alliance. So pull up a seat and join us as we sit together. Welcome back, everyone, to the Sitting Together podcast with Marcy. And we have with us Teca Gracida. And we want to ask you, Teca, first a warm-up question, if that's okay with you. Yes. No one has said no to this point. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll say yes. You can say no if you really want to. Uh, Okay, when you were a child, Mm -hmm. what did you want to be when you grew up? I was thinking about that, and Mm -hmm. I can remember... So the first thing I wanted to be was a vet or like oh, nice. a zookeeper. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I wanted to do was feed the baby animals. <laughs> so I used to see on TV, you know, people with like bottles mm-hmm. feeding the pandas mm-hmm. yeah. or the monkeys. And I thought that would be the greatest job ever. That's so true. And I kind of still wish I could do that because mm-hmm. it sounds fun. Yeah. That does sound really fun. It does fun. Yeah. sound fun. Have you ever gotten to do that before? Like no. at a zoo or no. like at a... It's so expensive to do those things. Wait. To like go to the zoo when oh. they let you go feed oh, the like, animals. Yeah, like a special it's experience. Like, oh yeah, another hundred fifty dollars right. feed the panda. <laughs> right. You're like, no, somebody else will take you. Someone to else farm. will feed the panda. There you we'll go. We'll let you feed a, a calf or a goat. There you or go. I love like that. that. Surely, yeah. Please, surely whoever hears this and has a farm, please let me and feed your has some baby animals little. that need to be yeah. fed. I'm just thinking that we could find someone. That would be so fun. I okay. would honestly love that. Would it be like a dream come true? Yes. Maybe that's what we should do with this podcast is try yes. to make people's dreams come true. <laughs> I, I don't mind being the first okay. one. We could, we could start there. Okay. So if you have a farm seems, and have baby animals, that let us know. That seems very doable. Yes. I think we could do that. Okay. I'm okay. not making any promises because I... Oh, no, you're ready. I have my expectation already. It's like... <laughs> <You> already did. <laughs> it's happening. Great. Okay. I got to step it up here. Okay, I need to write that down and make sure. <laughs> make Tekka's dreams come true. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Do you also, like, do you love animals in general? Or was it just, like, the baby animal? The baby animals. Okay. I I'm, I don't dislike animals. I like animals. <laughs> but I'm not, like, an animal lover. Okay. Um, that sounds a little wrong. No. But I do enjoy animals. I love going to the zoo. Okay. And I love seeing animals in nature, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like where, I, they, where they naturally just are. Just when they're little, it's just so cute, and like the bottle, all mm-hmm. of that is just precious. It's true. So if you, if now someone said to you, "We're going to pay for you to go to like vet school, and you can be a vet just <laughs> for baby animals <laughs> or just for grown-up animals," which would you choose? Oh, babies. Okay. Yeah. See, I just, I just feel like it's really about the fact that they're tiny. Yes, but, probably. Yeah. I, and I probably wouldn't go to vet school just so I could do that. <laughs> that's good. That, that makes sense. I, being honest. Yeah, that's what we want here. We want honesty. Yeah. So thank you for your honesty. You're welcome. So the farm will work just fine. Okay. I think we can do that. Let's work on that. We'll work on that. Thank you. We'll let you know. You you might need some months and that's okay. some time. I'll have Give soon a little time. one right. to feed. So. Yes. <laughs> Once we're over her. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You're, once you have a little more time on your hands, you yeah. don't have a newborn. Let's do yeah. So tell us two fun facts about yourself that n- not many people know, if you can think of them. So one that I think not a lot of people know is that my name is actually not Tekka. <laughs> wow. 
this is a little earth shattering. We may have to reintroduce ourselves. Like... <laughs> so a lot okay. of people here in the U.S. don't know that. So my name is Temis. Say it again. Temis. Spell it. It's T-H-E-M-I-S. Okay. But the H is silent. Temis. Yes. So it's a Greek name. I don't know why I'm Brazilian. I don't know. I have a Greek name. You're Brazilian. I am Brazilian. Okay. Yes. So, but that, in Brazil, we, it's a very warm culture. People Mm -hmm. go by nicknames all the time. Mm -hmm. So, Temis always felt like is a formal thing. Mm -hmm. So, when, and when I moved to the U.S., I was 19. I felt like most people could not pronounce that correctly, mm-hmm. and it really bugged me, the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And then I tried Tekka, because that's my nickname from home. Okay. And it was a lot easier. So people, I would tell people, it was like Becca, but with a T. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And it helped. And um, I feel like it also helped me, because I felt in the beginning like a foreigner. Yeah. Well, I am a foreigner. Uh, but it was it felt so obvious, yeah. my accent, mm-hmm. the, the way that I tried to communicate, and that helped feel a little bit closer to people mm-hmm. having them call me Teca. So, and they called you this growing up. Uh-huh. In Brazil. When okay. I was born, I think my sister came up with a nickname. Oh, wow. Yeah. So your family also calls you that? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah, so it's like a if you're closer to me, but then here it just kind of became my name. I like that. Yeah, but not I a lot of people know, know that. that. Wow, you really brought out the big guns. Thank you okay. for that. All yeah, right, I can't wait two. for fact number two. Oh, it's really not as roll up our sleeves you here. Know. No, uh, when I was 18, I moved to Mozambique with my parents. So my parents went to be uh, missionaries there, and I, at the time, I wanted to be a nurse. Mm-hmm. So I started volunteering at a local hospital, oh. and because I was a foreigner, they basically let me do a lot. Probably a lot more than I had the knowledge to or experience. But one of the cool things that I did that I thought was fascinating is I helped uh, this lady on our floor to deliver her baby. And I thought it was a really, really, really cool experience. And did you feed this baby? I didn't. Oh. I know. I'm seeing a theme here. I am too. There's the theme. Tiny humans and animals. Yes. (laughs) Have a way with you. Yes. So that's another That is really interesting. You got to... So she she was starting labor. Which part of the okay. delivery? Were the you? end of okay. it. The end. And okay. actual oh, delivery. Oh wow! Yeah. wow that's so incredible. the nurses were really cool. They let mm-hmm. me come and like I helped her breathe through and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then a nurse was next to me as the baby was delivered, and the doctor was oh, wow. standing at the door watching because he's like, "Oh, you got it." So I was just here, you know, in case it was needed. Had you ever experienced anything like that before? No. Had you ever helped anybody breathe through labor before? (laughs) How did you come up with the right way to do this? Yeah. One of the nurses was like, someone's delivering a baby. Do you want to help? I said, sure. Okay. And it happened. Wow. It was really cool. That is cool. Yeah. It was a great experience. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Wow, okay. you've blown it. So now that we talked out of the water. Now that we talked about babies, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your family. Okay, so my immediate family, my family, immediate, immediate. So I'm married to David Gracida, and we have a two-year-old daughter named Zoe, mm-hmm. and Who I am is the cutest thing in the world. Yes, she's, just, she's sweet. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and welcome. I am currently pregnant. I am a week away from being considered full term, so I'm 36 mm. weeks, which 36. is really exciting. Mm-hmm. And we're having another baby girl. Her name will be Kaya. Kaya. Oh, oh yes. I like that. Yeah, Zoe and Kaya. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, and you've been in Boone how long? We moved to Boone January of last year. Okay, so not very long. Not very long. Okay. Oh, wow, I feel longer than that. I know. To me, at least. I don't know. 20, I feel like I've been before that. 19. Okay. Yeah, Zoe was born 2018, and yeah, we mm-hmm. 19. Huh. And I think the interesting part of this is that I have interviewed Tekka before. Okay. Okay. For the other podcasts that you do? No. No, for the night for women, we had someone come up. We were talking. Oh, that's oh, right. that's right. You were like really new. She was that brand was new. So yeah. I totally remember I was that. So yeah. I was in the back of the room. Brought her upstairs. You, who I don't know, yeah, all and the you're fingers being so brave. Yes, all the fingers pointing at me at my table, and uh-huh. I thought. Um, how Wait, about you? Did you know these people at the table that were pointing at you? They were, yeah, they were my life group girls. Okay, well, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't just they random threw people. They under the bus, though. <laughs> no, not strangers. That's yeah. right. You have just yeah. officially yeah. been thrown under the bus. Life yeah. group mm-hmm. people who pointed yep. at Tekka. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I totally remember that. Yeah. What was it about? What was, like, what did you ask? We were talking about connecting with women and how, mm-hmm. how sometimes just getting to talk to a person or ask questions mm-hmm. and, and listening. We're just being practical in the way that we um, meet women mm-hmm. at church or wherever. Yeah. But mostly at church, like you can walk past someone that you don't know and you're just af- kind of afraid or it's awkward Yeah, to just go up and, hey, I'm Marcy and I don't know you. Yeah. Tell me about yourself. Yeah. I think I was doing the computer Probably for that mm-hmm. event. Wow. That feels like a long time ago. That was March mm-hmm. of last year. That was actually my birthday. It was that day. <laughs> wow, that's did, how I remember. Did your life group know that? Oh yeah. <laughs> like happy birthday, Tucka. Go, Go on stage. Over there. <laughs> well, look at you now. Yeah. I survived. You did survive. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. So you've mentioned um, that you're Brazilian. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about like your growing up years and where you grew up and like a little bit about your extended family, like the family you grew up in. Mm-hmm. So born and raised in Brazil, my parents are Brazilians. Mm-hmm. So we, my dad's side of the family, were fourth generation Salvation Army um, kid. Mm-hmm. So, and then my mom's side, third generation. So Salvation Army is a oh. big, big part of our family. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to see the transformation that the, the first generation had mm-hmm. because of the work of the Salvation Army and the love of the church and the way that they embraced them. And, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so we grew up, I grew up in mostly in Sao Paulo, but we moved around. And I think when I think about all the moving, we moved about every three to four years. Oh, wow. In the beginning, it was hard because, you know, you make friends, you go to mm-hmm. school, and you like the place that you go, and, mm-hmm. and then it's time to move. But it's been really sweet looking back because I can see how God always had the next step ahead prepared right. for us. Mm-hmm. And I think it has even helped me now. Anytime does David and I think about, you know, are we going to move, what we're going to do to be bold and yeah. confident knowing, mm-hmm. yeah, let's do it. And I think it made me a little bit more flexible and adaptable. Um, wow. But yeah, grew up in Brazil. And then when I was... 18, we moved to Mozambique, and then 19, I moved to the West to come to school. Was that through the Salvation Army that your family moved? Yes. Like, to work? Okay. Yeah, my and, parents are still with them. Okay. So, this could be a really ignorant question, but can you explain a little bit about what that means, like, what the Salvation Army and what, what that means, like, third generation, fourth generation? So, in the Salvation Army... 
a lot of people know the social work mm-hmm. aspect of it, you know, the rehab centers, the stores, mm-hmm. um, but there's also the church. Okay. And um, so my parents are pastors of the church, and that goes back to my great grandpa on my dad's side. Gotcha. So it, we always mm-hmm. joke that there's one in the family that sticks with it, mm-hmm. and so um, they have all all been pastors. And with the Salvation Army, is almost a little bit like military in a sense that they mm-hmm. move you around. Okay. Um, so, so that's you why you moved. Yeah. Okay. So you don't stay in one place forever. Gotcha. Um, sometimes you're responsible for a church. Sometimes you're responsible for um, a community center mm-hmm. or the store. So it's not just pastoral. And okay. some sometimes there's some more administrative aspects. Mm-hmm. So my parents now live in Chile. And okay. my dad's overseeing, both of them helping oversee some of the countries in South America. Okay. And they're like pastoring the pastors almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. good. So what what was that like for you? Like, I mean, I'm sure looking back now is a little different because mm-hmm. you're farther along and you can see things a little differently. Yeah. But what was that like for you as a kid? Like, what did you think about that? I I didn't think much of it because my whole family was involved in the Salvation Army. So it, it was normal. Yeah. But I, I remember vividly that when I, anytime I would go to a different church, I would think it was very odd to think like... Oh, these people are also Christians. Like the, the Salvation Army is not it because yeah. it was we were so consumed in the Salvation Army world, and Salvation Army has a very peculiar way of doing things and a lot of tradition and um, with uniforms and different things, bands and um, that other churches don't have. Yeah. So I remember, like, what do you mean? I can wear regular clothes to go to another <laughs> church? Yeah. Like little things like mm-hmm. that. But it's interesting because nowadays, anytime. I go anywhere and there's like a brass band. It's like home. No, it's just, yes. it's this place in my heart that I don't think often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when I hear, it's just like, oh, I miss this. Yeah. So it, it was very interesting. Yeah, now looking back, I see very interesting things. But at the time, it was just what it was. Yeah. When you moved to the U.S., yeah. what you came by yourself. Mm-hmm. What did you find the most frightening or fearful thing? I, I came by myself, but I moved in with my uncle. Okay. So my dad's oldest brother basically brought me. Okay. And helped me through school. Okay. Um, so that was really nice mm-hmm. to have that support and family. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges was just, I growing up, we used to come to visit my dad's, both of his brothers live here. And we used to come to visit. And my sister always said, like, oh, I'd love to live in the U.S. And I never thought I would. And I came before she did. Mm-hmm. So I think in the beginning, it was just thinking, like, will I actually belong here? Mm-hmm. Will I call this home? Uh, because it's such a different culture mm-hmm. than what I what I was used to. Right. And I'm glad to say that I did call this, you know, call the U.S. home. And yeah. It's it's been a long journey, I think, adapting to different things and learning different mm-hmm. aspects of the culture. But I am glad I did stay. Yes. We're glad that you're here. Thank you. I'm curious, like when you say adjusting to the culture, mm-hmm. do you mean like American culture at large mm-hmm. in general? I mean, yeah, that's why I assumed. But I'm curious what... What was it like for you to step into, like, the Christian culture in America coming from Brazil and from, like, your Salvation Army background? Very different. When I, when I moved 
the first church I attended to was Calvary Chapel in Santa Barbara. So I moved to Santa Barbara, which is like one of the wealthiest towns in California. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. You know, I felt like I was living Mm -hmm. the dream. But even in the in the Christian world, it was a very different perspective. Mm -hmm. I think I didn't see much need, like physical need, financial mm-hmm. need, yeah. which is all that I grew up seeing, poverty, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people in need. And as, as the church and Salvation Army is very hands-on, that those interactions were gone. Mm-hmm. And it was very strange to understand even as a country that, or at least in Santa Barbara, that wasn't a reality. There yeah. wasn't a lot of poverty. So how, what the job of the church was, um, and I think trying to understand, are they different types of Christians? And that's why they don't have these needs. Or it's just because they live here and it's a country mm-hmm. culture type of thing. I remember struggling with that a lot in the beginning. Yeah. I can imagine that would be confusing. Yeah. <laughs> like it almost seems like the way you're describing it, it seems like they're almost polar opposites mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really interesting. And I think it's good perspective. You know, I mean, we all have different perspectives that we bring with us to wherever we go later in life. But I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's really valuable to have that perspective of like, what's, what's the purpose of the church? That's Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of what I hear you saying a little bit. Like, that's what your question was. What's, what's the purpose of the church here? Is it always the same? Mm -hmm. I I mean, I would say yes. And that maybe how it's, how it plays out is a little different and, you know, in meeting needs, but yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're about ready to have another little baby. Yes. So um, what is life as a young mom like for you? And what has it done for your faith life? It is awesome, sometimes crazy, and sometimes really hard. Um, I think you guys know this, but our journey into parenthood, it wasn't very easy. A lot of miscarriages. And so I think my expectations... And ways that I wanted to be as a mom once it finally happened mm-hmm. were a little unrealistic mm-hmm. and a little, yeah, hard to achieve. And I think that also made it hard for the moments that are difficult that mm-hmm. every mom goes through. I think I had a hard time in the beginning recognizing that that was okay mm-hmm. because I, I wanted it so much. So it had to be perfect. It had to be right. a certain way. But I think in that I've seen, I mean, God's faithfulness and, and care for us so mm-hmm. much. And I think learning, one of the things that I was thinking is learning how God is so patient and kind and loving and how he perseveres in his mm-hmm. way to bring us back to him and yeah. wanting us to, to follow him and how he does it in a kind way mm-hmm. versus when I'm trying to get Zoe to do something, a lot of times I'm not as kind or patient. Mm-hmm. And so I think that has, I've want to grow in that sense of like recognizing and seeing how God is so wonderful mm-hmm. towards me when I mess up and I make the same mistake over and over again. So I can be more kind and loving and patient with Zoe. And I think I'm learning too that there are seasons 
for my faith. <laughs> I think in the beginning I was very much like before Zoe came, I think I was in a very good spiritual place. And then she came and then the sleepless nights and all those things throw you off. And <laughs> the expectation of wanting my walk to look the same yeah. now that I have a baby was very unrealistic. And even now as a mom, uh, that she's not a newborn anymore, but trying to figure out what the, what that looks like mm-hmm. and um, has been definitely a journey. But I think trying to be gracious with myself has been a big a big thing that I'm always trying to work on because of that. I still mm-hmm. two years into I still have that unrealistic expectation and idea of what motherhood should be. So yeah. yeah. You mentioned um, miscarriages. Mm -hmm. What was something that you learned walking through that? Hmm. That God was not turning his back on me. Mm. I think that was a a hard one. But that I I did learn that he was still, he still saw me and wanted me to grow closer to him. And I think everyone's experience with miscarriage is different. And I feel like even looking at mine, all three of them were very different from Mm -hmm. each other. But especially on the first ones that happened before Zoe, um, that feeling of being forgotten Mm -hmm. was very big and very hard. Um, So I think the different ways that God showed himself present and mm-hmm. the way that he showed his love and his care even in the pain was um, it was a big lesson mm-hmm. both for me and David mm-hmm. if you could say um, something to someone that is walking through that right now mm-hmm. what are what are some words of either encouragement or um, challenge even to them to get through what they're walking through it's a good question um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I don't hide necessarily what I've gone through, because when I went through, I felt so alone. Right. And I know it's not, I, I'm not the only one. And I think talking about it, it can be very painful, but it can be very healing. Yes. Um, and I think don't. Don't be afraid to ask God and tell God what you feel. <laughs> For so long, I wanted to accept as this happens and God is good. But my heart, and it, which is true, but my heart was upset. My heart was right. feeling forgotten. And I think yeah. until I got to the point that I was able to really be honest and mm-hmm. tell the Lord what he already knew yeah. that I was feeling and what I was thinking, I think that's when healing really started to take mm-hmm. place. And I'm thankful that my husband is wonderful and mm-hmm. he was amazing in walking with me through it right. um, and encouraging me. So I think it's it's okay not to try to be strong and hold it all together mm-hmm. and at least find one person that you can be honest with and, and share your heart and yeah. receive encouragement and truth. That's really good. It's a good word. Yeah, I love that reminder of, of just being honest mm-hmm. with, I mean, you know, not the whole world necessarily, but, you know, a trusted friend or your spouse or, you know, whoever it is. Yeah. And it's, I think mm-hmm. that, that as women, we forget 
that we don't have to put a face on, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's, that's a big part of our culture in a lot of ways. Like everything's fine. All good. It's, it's not always mm-hmm. fine. So no. I, I love that reminder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, specifically like with your experience with miscarriage and in general, like, yeah, not everything's great all the time. No. And and in fact, I mean, I don't want to say most of the time it isn't, but a lot of, I mean, you know, I think there are probably just as many valleys as there are peaks in my life, at least. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I, I appreciate that reminder. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um, I, yeah, I just appreciate that reminder. And mm-hmm. I mean, you clearly like live that out. You don't just say that because I mean, I've been in small groups with you where you shared <laughs> that as well. So I think when someone is willing to be vulnerable and honest and open it en- it encourages other people and almost allows them to feel comfortable to do that themselves. Yes. And so I think, I think mm-hmm. you model that really well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You've just shared with us about your miscarriages, mm-hmm. um, kind of answering this next question about how you've seen God work in your life, but is there anything else that you, I'm sure there is, but, um, what are some other ways that you've seen God work in your life? Um, I see you in Bible study. I see you in blueprint. I see you around church. So what are some ways that you've seen him work? One of the biggest um, ways that I can think about recently has been, I'm believe it or not, a lot of people don't, don't think that, but I'm very shy and it's really hard for me to take a step of out of my comfort zone. Okay. So I think coming to Boone was, we we're really excited to move and the opportunity for me to, you know, stay home with Zoe and David to work at Samaritan Spurs. And I knew I had to get plug in at church mm-hmm. and we start coming to Alliance right mm-hmm. away. And I remember that blueprint was the biggest thing that I knew I had to do and that God would honor that. Mm-hmm. But I was scared, so I think I missed the first one and then the second one. <laughs> but eventually I came, yeah. and I'm so thankful I did mm-hmm. because I feel like at Blueprint I have been able to grow as a mom, encourage mm-hmm. other moms. And it's such a sweet space where we can learn and grow together, not just as moms, but as women and wives and mm-hmm. challenge each other and I have, there are two specific moms that have babies exact same age as Zoe. And to have someone understand what you're going through and understand, you don't have to explain. You can say two words and they know exactly (laughs) what it is, Mm -hmm. has been some of the biggest gifts that I received. And I think God has honored my willingness to trust him in that sense. I was, I heard that it was great. I heard that Amanda Cottrell was the Mm -hmm. one that, you know, told me about it for the first time. And, um, I knew it was a place that I had to go and I debated in the beginning. And I remember thinking, how, how am I expecting God to, you know, bless me or allow me to get to gain community if I'm just going to be at home. So taking that step was very, it was a, for a lot of people, it was very easy to do. But for me, the thought of walking to a room that I didn't know anyone and I was, Zoe was, I think six months at a time. So I was very inexperienced as a Mm -hmm. mom, had no idea what I was doing with her. And I didn't want to feel judged, you know, all the insecurities as a new mom. And 
I, I was loved and accepted and received. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, very unique and specific way. I think that I saw God work in my life in a, a very tangible way. And it made me excited to be a part of leadership team and do that for other women <laughs> and just encourage the moms and, um, love on them. Yeah. I love, I love that. Yeah. No, you don't love that. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Just kidding. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great testament to mm-hmm. community. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I mean, and if, and if you're listening and you're a young mom or an older mom and need community, that's a great place to get it. Yeah. And we're actually getting ready to start our next semester of blueprint, which will start. Um, normally we would start the first Tuesday of September, but we're actually moving it back since so many of our um, young moms are virtual learning or remote learning with their other children. Yeah. Um, and so, um, we won't start until September 15th. So there is still time to get in and we're actually going to do a, um, a, it's a little different. We're going to watch a video, um, each time for the first six weeks, um, called the six truths of mother, six truths of motherhood. Huh. And, um, I've already started watching them. They're really good. It sounds amazing. This almost sounds like a plug. It was a plug <laughs> and I'm not ashamed, <laughs> but perfect. while I'm plugging, we've also got Bible studies coming That's up, right, which right. we're going to be doing yeah. Psalm 23, mm-hmm. which I loved because I kept thinking about it when you were talking about, um, how God, um, knew you and that you are not alone. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about Psalm 23 and how he is our shepherd mm-hmm. and we want mm-hmm. for nothing yeah. and how, um, his presence, I mean, it's just, it's where we find rest. Amen. And so, um, again, that starts on September 17th. So you can of find out more information by going FYI. to our website at abfboon.org or and calling the church office. That's right. The plugs have ended officially. Yes. The plugs have ended. I promise. <laughs> We haven't done that on any of the podcasts. We haven't. No, but this was perfect. It was. You actually mentioned it, so. That was a perfect segue. Yes, because Tekasi has been involved in both of those. Mm -hmm. What is something you've learned from the women of Alliance? Wow. That's kind of a loaded question, but I mean, you are around. You've been around some of our older women. You've been around our younger women. What's something that you've either learned or... One of the things that I'm amazed, especially thinking about Bible study and the older mm-hmm. women, is just how willing they are to just be honest mm-hmm. and not think that they know it all. Mm-hmm. I think especially the ones that have been here since the beginning, yeah. and mm-hmm. I have had some of them in my small groups, they're like the most fun and just it's so fun to be around them and I learned so much, but yeah. they're so humble. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the being humble and willing to share your experience, not from a place of, I know it all, but from a place of, this is my story. Mm-hmm. I yeah. pray it would bless you or encourage you. Um, and also the willingness to jump in and help any way they can when someone's mm-hmm. in need, mm-hmm. that has been a really really sweet way and it makes sense because it feels like the community especially at bible study the women are tight and they know each other and Mm -hmm. they have walked a long time together so to be new and see that and see that that's the environment that's the culture that's life-giving to me Mm -hmm. and exciting because i want to be a part of it right yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. i echo that Well, Tekka, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure to hear your stories. 
But we do have another question for oh, you. Oh, I though. forgot. She oh, did. She did I forgot. I was okay. ready to, to sign off. <laughs> That's why there okay. are two of us here and not just one of us. So this is a question we've been asking everyone. Mm-hmm. If you were sitting at a table with a friend, okay. it doesn't matter what time of the day you choose that. What's at, what are, what's at the table that you're eating and drinking? I'm a foodie, so that's a Ooh. hard, Ooh. hard one. Um, I would have a nice, strong black coffee. Nice. With pão de queijo, which is this Brazilian cheese bread. Ooh. And they are really good. They're, yeah, they're like chewy inside, but crunchy outside. Do you make them? I don't. Mm. I know I've tried many recipes. That's one of those things that I wish yeah. I would have learned, but they sell them at Publix. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this meal is doable, or this it coffee? Is, oh, is totally doable. Okay. Yes. Okay. Great. That's good to know. Yes. And it's really good. And what kind of coffee? Strong, dark. I don't like light roast, which is very common around here. Mm-hmm. I like black, dark, strong coffee. Brazilian coffee. Brazilian coffee, preferably. <laughs> Specifically, yeah. <laughs> if I have access to it, yes. So what? where have you found the best Brazilian coffee in America? When family comes. <laughs> Touche. When they bring it from Brazil. Yeah. There is a, um, it's not Brazilian, but there's a small coffee what was the name roaster one? yes mm-hmm. in san diego and they they make really really good coffee um and i just found out that they, you can buy it online too oh, perfect. so we might be having those a little bit more often and they have different they have a lot of dark roasts mm-hmm. so i tend to go to that side so is coffee a big part of Brazilian culture? Yes, absolutely. It's been, I've been trying not to have a lot of caffeine. Mm-hmm. So I've just been doing decaf now mm-hmm. during the pregnancy and it's really hard because David will make good coffee and I can mm, smell it. Yeah. And then mine is like <laughs> not the same. How, how, how young were you when you started drinking coffee? Oh, I remember when I was little. So maybe five, six, my dad would make like warm up milk and put a little bit of coffee for us before we went to bed. And it never, until college, I never drank coffee to like stay awake. Mm-hmm. It was just something that you mm-hmm. do. Um, but then in college, you know, trying to pull on either, then yeah. <laughs> you drink different mm-hmm. kind of coffee. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like because it was a part of just a mm-hmm. routine, it wasn't like a rush of caffeine. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But usually Brazilians drink coffee starting a little. Okay. Yeah. Well, so far from that, for that question, you're one of the first houses that I'm coming to <laughs> for what we're eating and drinking. That, why are you looking at me like that? Oh, I don't drink coffee. So. Oh, that's okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but I've been to her house, so. Yeah, that's true. I can, I can give you tea. That's right. So she can. You still accept people who don't I, drink coffee? I still do. Okay. Yes. That's really sacrificial of you. <laughs> really hospitable. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, then, Tekka, thank you yeah. so much Thanks for, for sharing, being here. Yes, my sharing your story sharing your with story. us. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be praying for a great delivery for you. Amen. Thank okay. you.